Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9? And as you turn there, we're going to dismiss our children to Children's Church. So you have little kids who are preschool age up through third or fourth grade and want to meet in the back for Children's Church. Now is the time. Well, we are continuing on through a summer sermon series that we're calling Summer of Hope. And what we're doing throughout the summer is we're looking at some of the most hopeful passages of Scripture. Those passages of Scripture that just light our hearts on fire as we think about Jesus, the gospel of his grace, and how the Spirit empowers us to live for him. I think we live in a world with a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainties, but in that world of questions and uncertainties, we have an anchor for our souls. We have a sure and living hope through Jesus who died and rose again so that we might die to our sins and rise again to newness of life, physical life, spiritual life, everlasting and abundant life. Well, our journey takes us this morning to Luke chapter 9, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 9. This is the reading of God's word. Let's give our attention to it. And Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart." And whatever, whenever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. This is God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. O Lord our God, we ask that we might see Jesus. We ask that you would speak, for we, your servants, are listening. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week I received a packing list for our epic trip to Uganda. David mentioned it earlier in the service, but in case you're brand new, maybe you're visiting today for the first time, we're going to go to Uganda. We'll be there two weeks, and it's going to be awesome. But there's a lot of packing to do, so here are a few items from the list. Visa passport, emergency contact list, driver's license, vaccine cards, cards, invitation letter from the Presbyterian Church of Uganda, international health documentation, pants. Just kidding. That was not on the list. Though for the record, I am bringing pants. Band-aids, toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner, soap, deodorant, life straw water filter, which hopefully Kate ordered from Amazon. Kate, 
Thumbs up. Converter plug type G and M compatible, compatible with African power. I hope Kate ordered that from Amazon. Otherwise, she ordered four. Otherwise, I would be outside with a kite in my hand with a key attached to it, hoping to generate enough electricity to charge my cell phone. On this trip, I am bringing two 50-pound suitcases. This week, I put the finishing touches on six sermons that I will be preaching in Uganda. Did I mention that I had a stress test this week for my heart? <laughs> Which is a test that you pass by not dying. Worst $450 I've ever spent. Just seeing the bill almost gave me a heart attack. But again, I passed, so on we go. I think it's fair to say that I am going on this trip with lots and lots of baggage. Do you have baggage? Do you have things in your life that you carry with you, things that you think that you need, things that you think that you can't live without, even for two weeks? I think all of us do. The question is, do we really need that baggage? What if all that baggage is just slowing us down? What if all that baggage is keeping us from having a relationship with God, the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us? What if all that baggage keep, is keeping us from trusting in Jesus? What if it's sapping our spiritual energy? What if it's stealing our joy? This morning, we're going to talk about baggage. Not luggage, baggage. There's a difference. Not everyone with luggage has baggage, and not everyone with baggage has luggage. But as we pick up our story in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is about to send off the apostles on an amazing journey. He's going to send them to the villages and towns of Israel, and they're going to be doing some of the very same things that Jesus has been doing. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to drive out demons from demons-possessed people. They're going to preach the gospel with the assurance that many, many people are going to be saved which just might be the biggest miracle of all. But before they go, Jesus gives them a packing list. He tells them what to and what not to bring on this amazing journey of faith. And perhaps, not surprisingly, almost none of the things that I packed for my journey to Uganda made the list. They didn't pack extra clothing. They didn't pack food or water or snacks for the plane. They didn't take money. They didn't take phones or charges, chargers or devices of any kind. But don't miss this. They didn't go empty-handed. Before they left, Jesus told them to take four things, four things that they couldn't live without. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. We're going to see these four things that Jesus very subtly tells the disciples to take with them on this epic journey of faith. First, Jesus gave them new priorities. 
Second, we'll see that Jesus gave them new powers. Third, we'll see that Jesus gave them new plans. And then finally, we'll see that Jesus gave them a new purpose. So new priorities, new powers, new plans, and a new purpose. That's what this story is about. It's about disciples having no baggage. It's about the disciples having new baggage. It's a story about what to pack and what not to pack as we follow Jesus. As we make this journey of faith, what does Jesus want us to take along? What does he want us to leave behind? We're all on this journey. We all have baggage. Jesus tells us what we really need. Let's take a closer look. We begin with new priorities. As we journey with Jesus, he gives us new priorities. Verse 1, and Jesus called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Here's what Jesus is saying. As disciples, our priority is the kingdom of God. Our priority is the mission of God. Kingdom mission should shape everything that we say and everything that we do as the church, as the body of Christ, as the people of God. As Christians, our calling is to live in the world for the sake of the world. That's what the Christian life is all about. That's what the church should be. Missions is more than something that happens for a week or two, once or twice a year, whether it's in Mullins, South Carolina, or Kampala, Uganda, or Indonesia, or Japan, Malaysia. Missions is the purpose of the Christian life. The church is the mission of God. So what does that look like? How does Jesus use us to advance that kingdom mission in the world? Well, according to Jesus, it happens two very distinct but complementary ways. First, we tell the good news. We proclaim the kingdom of God. We go out there and we tell everyone that though our sin separates us from God, God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus, that through his death on the cross, through his blood shed for us, through the perfect life that he lived and the sacrificial death that he died, we might be reconciled to God, adopted as sons and daughters of God, brought in to the family of faith both now and forever. But not only us, all of creation will be redeemed through the saving work, work of Jesus. Through Jesus, we are redeemed. Our work is redeemed. Our friendships are redeemed. Our family is redeemed. Our affections are redeemed. Our culture is redeemed. All of creation will be redeemed when Jesus comes again to make all things new. That's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now that's step one. We proclaim the kingdom of God. We preach the good news. We talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We tell everyone everywhere about Jesus and his love. Here's step two. 
We not only tell the gospel, we show the good news. We show the gospel. According to Jesus, we're sent out to heal the nations. Now, certainly Jesus and the apostles had a special healing ministry, a unique healing ministry. We can't dispute that. They were literally healing people's diseases. They were literally casting out demons from demon-possessed people. We don't have that kind of power. I don't have that power. You don't have that power. Later in the story, we'll see that the disciples, the apostles, didn't have that power all the time. They're sent to a little boy who's possessed by a evil spirit they try to cast the evil spirit out of that boy and they can't do it only jesus can do it so this is not a universal promise that all of us as christian people will have this exact power in our own lives and through the people that we minister to but don't miss this for all the discontinuity there's quite a bit of continuity as well The apostles were fulfilling God's mission by ministering to people's physical and spiritual needs. They weren't just saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about how much he loves you. They were showing people Jesus through their humble acts of mercy and service, caring for for widows and orphans and prisoners and the poor. They were showing compassion. They were saying, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I lay down my life for you in the name of Jesus, who laid down his life for me on the cross? Mercy is so important because mercy puts a face on grace. Mercy lets people see the hands and the feet of Jesus. Mercy lets us see the flesh and the bones of Jesus Christ. As a church, this is our priority. We tell people the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why when we go to Uganda, we're bringing preachers and teachers and Bibles and seminars. But we also show people the grace of God which is why we're bringing doctors and dentists and nurses, building supplies, toys for the kids. We love Jesus. We love the gospel of his grace. And we want everyone to not only hear the gospel, but to see the gospel as well. That's our priority. Now, here's the second thing. When we journey with Jesus, he not only gives us a new priority, he gives us new power. Verse 1, And he called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. We will never accomplish what God wants us to accomplish without the power and authority of Jesus working in us and through us. It's impossible. When it comes to changing the world, when it comes to the mission of God, it's not about our talent. It's not about the money that we bring to this operation. It's not about our charisma. It's not about our plans. It's not about our agenda, our programs, our strategies. It's about the power of God. It's about the power of prayer. James, who was the earthly brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, once wrote, You have not because you ask not. 
Just think about this. He says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, exactly the same as us, a regular human being, a regular person, and he prayed. And for three years, rain did not fall on the earth. He prayed again, and God opened up the heavens, and the floodgates poured down on the people of Israel. That's the power of prayer. God uses prayer to change the world. It's about the power of the gospel. In Romans 1, the apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Elsewhere, he reminds us that the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation, is also the power of God for transformation. We need that power. And we have that power by the Spirit. The same Spirit, Paul says in Ephesians 1, that raised Jesus from the dead empowers all of God's people to complete the mission of God. It's about the power of faith. Jesus said that if we have faith, simple, childlike faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, we could say to the mountain, fall into the sea, and it would happen. We could move mountains by the power of faith. If we have faith, we have the power to conquer our fears. If we have faith, we have the power of God to change the world. I just finished reading a book called Dominion by Tom Holland. Not the Spider-Man kid, different, different Tom Holland, same name. He writes about the whole history of the church, starting uh, with Aristotle and about 300 B.C., going all the way through 2015. It's quite a long book. But in that book, over and over again, page after page, chapter after chapter, we see the power of faith. We see ordinary people, monks and nuns and servants and scribes and ordinary priests and ordinary people literally changing the world through the power of faith. If you want to change your life, if you want to change the world, if you want our church to be an instrument of God's grace in our city, in our nation, around the globe, it begins and it ends with the power of God. It begins and ends with the glory of God. If you walk with Jesus, he will give you the power to do whatever he's calling you to do. He will give you the power to endure whatever he is calling you to, do, to endure. He will give you the power to go wherever he is calling you to go. If you are a Christian, you need to know that there is nothing that is impossible for God. Literally, nothing is impossible for him. Here's the third thing. When we journey with Jesus... He gives us new plans. Verse 3, And Jesus said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics, and whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Here's the plan. First, 
don't pack. Now, if you are a type A person, uh, if you are a planner and a packer, or your name is Bruce Cullen, this will be very, very tough for you. Okay? He's probably already thinking, I think this is too much for me. I don't think I can go on this journey. Just stick with me. You'll see what's happening. Jesus says, don't bring any supplies. Don't bring your walking stick. Don't bring any food. Don't, no luggage, no money, no change of clothing. Second, don't stay too long. Now, in the ancient world, they had certain rules of hospitality that were in play. Usually, if a person would travel to a new town, it was the custom that someone in that town would be sort of socially obligated to give that person a place to stay. You would stay with that person uh, maybe a week or two and sort of leave on a leisurely pace. Jesus is saying, don't stay too long. Get in, get out. Stay three days and then move on to the next town. Third, expect opposition. In other words, when you're rejected, and you will be, shake the dust off your feet as a sign of God's judgment, and then keep moving. Now, here's what that symbolism means. Oftentimes in the ancient world, when the Israelites would travel to another country, a Gentile country, before they came home, they would literally take off their sandals and shake the Gentile dust off of their feet so as not to contaminate, contaminate the ground of, of the promised land. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm sending you off into the nation of Israel. You're going to encounter very moral people. You're going to encounter very religious people. You're going to encounter very conservative people. And yet, if they do not believe in me, if they do not believe in Jesus, shake the dust off your feet. If they do not believe in Jesus, whatever they might say, whatever their appearance, they have no place in the kingdom of God. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, well, this is fascinating, but what on earth does this plan have to do with me? We go on trips all the time, mission trips, vacations. We always pack when our kids go on mission trips, we rent a van, and then we fill that van with so much luggage that the children are literally on top of each other like cordwood in the van. I'm not sure it's legal. Are you still recording this? <laughs> uh, that's just a joke, whoever is watching this online. We don't do that. We always pack. So what is Jesus saying here? Don't pack? Well, here's what he's saying. If we journey with Jesus, we have to follow his plan. We have to follow his plan. Now that requires faith. We have to know that God is going to take care of us. We have to know that God is going to be with us every step of the way. We have to know that God is going to supply our needs. Now this is an extreme example of that, but Jesus is trying to drive home a very important point. You have to trust me. You have to know that Jesus is going to take care of you. Don't rely on your packing list. Don't rely on your plans. Don't rely on your agenda. Rely on me. Are you doing that? Are you trusting in Jesus? Are you relying on his plan for your life? Are you willing to alter your plan for your life? If Jesus says, 
here's what I want you to do. Are you willing to trust him even when the things that he's saying seem to be putting you outside of your comfort zone? That's the second thing we see. Following Jesus' plan also requires a a bit of flexibility. We have to be flexible when we follow God's plan. We have to be flexible when we journey with Jesus. We can't stand around. We can't stand still. We have to keep moving forward. Christian people are always on the move. Following Jesus is an adventure. It's exciting. Things are always changing, but we have to be flexible enough in order to deal with those changes. If we say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do because this is the way we've always done it, well, then we're done. Whether we're in Uganda, again, whether we're in the United States, whether we're on a disaster response and we're chopping up trees and we're clearing off things off of roofs, Whatever it is that we're doing in the name of Jesus to fulfill the mission of Jesus, to the glory of Jesus, we have to be flexible. Again, that's hard sometimes. I like to have a plan and stick with the plan, but it's absolutely crucial if we want to live as missionaries on mission for God. And ultimately, it's worth it. There's no better way to live than day by day, and moment by moment, walking with God. Following Jesus' plan also requires fortitude. It requires strength. It requires courage. Why? Opposition, persecution, rejection. If you follow Jesus, you will be as loved as Jesus was loved. That's the good news. The bad news is, you will be as hated as Jesus was hated. Many people will accept you because of Jesus. Again, we're going to Uganda. We'll be welcomed and accepted by the people of the churches there because of Jesus. And yet, many people will reject you because of Jesus. It happened to the apostles. It's happened to me. It will happen to you. That's why we need to be strengthened by the word That's why we need to be strengthened by prayer. That's why we need to be strengthened by the sacraments of the church. That's why we need Christian friends. That's why we need to meditate on Christian things, Christian music and Christian books and Christian songs. The book of Proverbs says that two are better than one, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We need a band of brothers We need a squad of sisters. We need crews of people who are like us in our journey, who can strengthen us for the journey. We need fortitude. Faith, flexibility, and fortitude. That's what it takes to follow God's plan. Now, here's the last thing. When we journey with Jesus, he gives us a new purpose. Verse 7. Now, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, well, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. For all of his questions, for all of his mixed motives, for all of his confusion, Herod the Tetrarch 
wanted to see Jesus. That's our purpose. It's as simple as that. We want everyone to see Jesus. Whether it's Herod or our friends or our family members, our city, our world, that's the goal. That's the agenda. It's not about building bigger buildings or raising bigger budgets. It's not about the platform. It's not about political or cultural influence. It's not about our power or our glory or our recognition. It's about the glory of God. If you learn just one question and answer from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, learn the very first one. It starts out with a question which says, what is the chief end of man? In other words, why are we here? What is the meaning of life? Good question. Here's the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God. And in so doing, to enjoy Him forever. We want everyone in the world to see the glory of God so that they might enjoy a relationship with Him. We want everyone to see the God who saved us. We want everyone to see the King who became a servant. We want everyone to see Jesus who died a shameful death on the cross so that we might know the glories of everlasting life through him. Do you have baggage? I do. Did you come here this morning with things weighing heavily on your heart? Things that are, are burdening your mind? Me too. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we bring our burdens, we bring our baggage to the foot of the cross. Jesus takes it and gives us something new. He gives us new life. He gives us new love. He gives us new joy. He gives us hope. Come to him in faith. Receive that gift with open hands. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for your grace, which you have given us so freely and so richly in Christ. Lord God, we all come to you today and every day with things that are weighing us down, with baggage, with issues, with things that we struggle with, with sins that we can't seem to overcome, with worries that we can't seem to put out of our minds with physical pains, with anxiety, with stress. Oh, Lord God, we ask that you would wash us, that we might be as white as snow. We pray that you would take that burden off of our shoulders, that you might receive it, Lord Jesus, that we might have everlasting and abundant life through you, by your Spirit. In his name we pray. Amen.